person's hand next to you and just pray a prayer over them. Would you do that? Would you just pray for the person next to you just for a second? Pray the Lord's blessing upon them. Pray the Lord's healing upon them. Just pray that God would reach down and just minister to them in whatever way and fashion that they need to be ministered to. Just, just, just pray one for another. A church that prays together stays together. Amen? I just feel like the Lord wants to use people to touch other people tonight. I just sense that in my spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless this congregation tonight. Father, I pray blessings over the Palace of Praise congregation. I, I declare, God, that, Lord, this congregation shall be blessed. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Palace of Praise people will be healed, will be delivered will be set free, will be powerful and mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. God, that every weapon that is formed against them will not prosper. God, you'll be with them when they're going out and they're coming in, they're lying down and they're rising up. You'll go before them. You'll be their rear guard. You'll be their buckler, their shield, their high tower. Father, you'll be the lily of their valley. You'll be their bright and morning star in the mist of darkness. God, you'll be the root out of the dry ground in those desert places. You'll be the stem of Jesse to them, Father, in their growth process, God. You'll be the chief cornerstone in which they're going to be built upon. Their homes will be blessed. Their homes will be fat and flourishing, God, in the name of Jesus. And every demon that has tried to ever try to bring them down, God will be cast out in the name of the Lord. God, from the, from the north to the east to the south to the west, put a perimeter around them, Father. Put, put a shield and put a, put a seal around them, Father, that the enemy cannot penetrate. Let them be a mighty fortress, God, for the kingdom of God. Let God, the meditation of their hearts, God, be acceptable in thy sight, O oh God. God. May everything they do praise and magnify your name. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Be blessed, O congregation. I said be blessed, O congregation. Be blessed, O people of God. Lift up your hands and worship the Lord and magnify his holy name. And declare unto him, I am blessed. I am blessed. Hallelujah. You are not the tail, you are the head. You are not the lesser, you're the greater. Hallelujah. You're a child of God, you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Oh, be blessed in your thinking, be blessed in your talking, be blessed in your walking, be blessed in your actions, be blessed in your behavior, be blessed in everything you do. May God exalt you. Let God arise in your hearts and let the enemy be scattered. Hallelujah. Be the pursuer instead of the pursuee in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Instead of the pursued in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your financial giving as you leave tonight. You can put your offerings in the boxes at each exit. You can, uh, of course, go online and give. You can mail it. You can give it to the ushers. You can bring it by the office. You can... Call and we'll pick it up if it's necessary. <laughs>
Be blessed in your giving as you do that tonight. We love you. Tonight we got a special treat. Sister Rhonda Burden's going to be coming. We want you to be praying for us. She's going to be trying to do this on a broken foot tonight. And I uh, did not know that she had done that and somebody had told me today. And I see her in a boot. So would you welcome her as she comes? And Greg, would you help her up here please too? You all right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you uh, are in agreement with that declaration that pastor just made over us, say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I receive that word of blessing over my life. Thank you, Lord, for the, the blessings and the declarations of God. Hallelujah. So, um, If you've ever been up here, and if you have ever had the pleasure of giving a word or a devotion or a message, then you know that um, it has already been preached to you, right? You can't come up here and give something that hasn't already ministered to you. So uh, just keep that in mind tonight as we get into the word. Um, the word of the Lord teaches us and it leads us and it leads us on a path of victory. It leads us on a path of promise and it leads us to the path of blessing. If we will allow it, if we will receive that word and just let it take root in our hearts and be fruitful and multiply and, and take root and grow, it will spring forth something wonderful. Um, so Leviticus 6 and 13, actually I forgot to do the declaration, that's important to me if they're up there and if they have it ready, let's go ahead and do that. It might not come up, normally I have it printed off because it's different up here saying it than it is out there. Okay, Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to read to you Leviticus 6 and 13. Um, I know you've heard this before, and it says, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. God said, I want a fire on the altar. He said, I want there to be a continuous fire burning on the altar. And as we enter into the New Testament, we learn in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 that our body is now the temple. There's an altar in this body. You have an altar in your body. And it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. In an effort to bring the church at Corinth into a right relationship with God, Paul emphasizes 
the believer's stewardship over his or her own body. He says in this passage that the body is not self-governing or self-sustaining, but it belongs to the Lord and it is a member of Christ. Paul declares that the believer's body is a temple. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Since the Holy Spirit lives in the believer's body, the believer cannot claim ownership over his own body. In verse 20, Paul gives another reason the believer should not think of the body as his or her own. He says, you were bought with a price. God purchased the believer's body and spirit with the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ. So let us be diligent to remember that our bodies belong to the Lord. Our bodies were purchased by his son and inhabited by his spirit. So because our bodies are not our own, they no longer belong to us, but it was purchased by the blood of Jesus. If the Lord says to keep a fire burning on the altar of our hearts, then we have a responsibility to honor what he says because it belongs to him. The altar is a place of prayer, and there's either a fire on the altar of our heart, or there isn't. It's either burning, or it has gone out. Even though many of us may struggle in the area of prayer, God has given every one of us a desire to pray. He's given us a desire to communicate through the power of prayer. One minister said, that's why when you find remote tribes in the jungle somewhere who've never heard of God or Jesus or the Bible, they're praying to something because there's something inside of you. There's something inside of all of us that desires to communicate with God. There's an inner longing for him, and, and it's the same with God. The only reason he made us was to communicate and fellowship with us. We are made in his image with the ability to connect with him through the power of prayer. The Bible gives a beautiful picture of this in Genesis. The Bible tells us that before the fall of Adam and Eve, God would come down in the cool of the day and he would walk with them in the garden. He would spend time with them, talking with them, fellowshipping with them, and communicating with them. Adam and Eve didn't use this time with the Lord to present their problems to him. They weren't praying about their problems. They weren't complaining about the attacks of the enemy. They didn't have children yet, so they weren't complaining about their children. They lived in the garden of paradise, so everything in the garden belonged to them, so they weren't devastated over their finances. They simply communed with the Lord. Yes, the Lord wants us to present our needs to him. We need to make our petitions known to the Lord because he wants to hear about those things. He cares about those things. But the reason that we, they were together in the cool of the garden is just to be together, just to spend some time together in one another's company. They were in fellowship with the Lord. And that's what real prayer is. It's fellowship with the Lord. It's communion with the Lord. It's not just calling on the Lord when we have trouble. Not only does God intend for his people to pray, but we can even go as far to say that to not sin would, or to not pray would be a sin. So we'll just stop right there and take a selah. And if you don't know what a selah means, it means it's an intentional purpose to stop and reflect on what we just said. To not pray is a sin. My toes hurt too. It's not just yours. Hmm. 
1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. If we cease to pray for one another, to pray for our leaders, our pastors, our loved ones, the lost, we're sinning against the Lord. If you forget your prayers, you're literally forgetting God. If, if prayer is not real to you, then it means God is not real to you. We either pray or we die spiritually. So we're going to look at five laws of prayer. There are five ways to develop your prayer life. And the first one is there has to be a priority of prayer for the Christian. When we read our Bible, that's God talking to us. But when you pray, that's you talking to God. To develop a consistent prayer life is the most important thing that we can do as believers. To have a regular appointed time to spend with the Lord every day is vital to having victory in our lives. There will always be something else you need to do. There will always be somewhere else you need to be. The laundry will always be there. It's going to continue to pile up. The kids are always going to be wanting something from you you. Somebody is always going to be wanting or needing your time. But that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret and thy father, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He's saying, go into a private place, find your secret place, a place to be alone in the presence of the Lord. And he said, shut the door. He said, don't allow for any interruptions. Turn the phone off. Tell the kids they're not allowed to open the door. And be intentional about spending time with the Lord. It has to be a priority. We can't work prayer into our day. We have to work our day around prayer. If we don't make prayer the priority, then we'll never be powerful and we'll never be what God wants us to be. Prayer cannot be a casual thing in our lives anymore. This, for this body, prayer cannot be casual for us anymore. If we're going to go where God wants us to go, then we're going to have to amp up our prayer game. If we're waiting around for the Lord to take this church to the next step and to the next level, it's never going to happen if we don't make the sacrifice of prayer. It's never going to happen if we don't make room for consistent prayer. I, I know that I, I've, it's, we know that, um, it's proven. I remember growing up, um, in a prayerful home. I remember my parents would go together in their bedroom and close the door and shut themselves up in the, in the room. And I didn't dare open that door for a couple of different reasons. I didn't open that door because I feared the Lord and I feared my parents. And I knew that when they said, don't open this door, you know, I'm not supposed to interrupt what's happening. But I also could hear the heavenly language that was coming from inside that room. I could hear the heavenly language. I could hear what was taking place on the other side of that door. And I knew things were happening. I knew things were being shifted. Even as a child, I understand that what was happening inside of that room had eternal value. I respected that, and I was taught to respect that. And we need to be doing the same thing for our own children because if we don't, they're never going to know. They're not going to have those experiences for themselves. I remember growing up in church, we always had prayer meetings. There was always a prayer meeting, and it wasn't um, a fellowship. 
It was a time of prayer. We didn't come together and just sit around and chit-chat and talk. We came together and assembled for battle. And it was powerful. And because of that, I remember sitting um, in a row in front of my mom one night. It was either a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Who knows? It could have been any night of the week because we were always in church. But I remember there was a woman, and um, she was laid out in the middle of the aisle, and she was demon-possessed. And I remember sitting there, and my mother pecked on my shoulder, and she told me to start pleading the blood of Jesus over my own life because if you understand that, then you know that's, that's what you do. You need to plead the blood of Jesus. And um, so I did that, and I witnessed that woman being set free and delivered of those demons. And um, those things don't happen outside of prayer. Things like that don't happen if you are not prayed up and if you are not prepared. And I'm just saying we can expect things like that to happen in our body when we are prayed up and when we are ready and when we are prepared. That's where the Lord wants to take us. That's just the way that it is. It's his will. Um, and then I remember like... A week later, we went to her house for prayer meeting, <laughs> and I was fearful, but it's okay. It was a real prayer meeting, and I got to witness the Lord do an incredible thing in her life, and those things are birthed through the power of prayer. The second thing that we need to do is we need a time of prayer. If you don't have a set appointed time of prayer, you're not going to make it. You might wing it for a little while, but it's not going to sustain you. There must be a planned time set aside to be with the Lord. Life runs on schedules, and if we don't make a point to set time aside for prayer, it's not going to happen. Most of us have daily routines that we follow. Most of us live by very tight schedules. Most of us get up and go to work at the same time every day. We get the kids on the bus at the same time every day. I, I do the same thing pretty much routinely every day, and prayer needs to be a part of that routine. There are days that I don't feel like going to work, but I do it anyway because I want to get paid. And it's the same for prayer. I don't always feel like it, but do I want the rewards of faithful prayer in my life? Do I want the rewards for our church? Do I want to see the rewards of our community based on a prayerful life? We make time for the things that are important to us. And if we're not making time for a consistent, stable prayer life, then it's not really all that important to us. We make time for the things that we want. I'm not saying that it's always convenient, but I am saying that it's always necessary. And just like Brother Andre mentioned Sunday morning, we've got to have breakfast with Jesus the greatest miracles in the Bible happened at 9 in the morning or at 3 in the afternoon because those were the times of offering sacrifice and prayer in the Old Covenant. It was at 9 a.m. or at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. was the evening prayer. Um, they prayed and they honored God. They prayed and God honored their prayers. God honored their sacrifices it's amazing that um, Elijah called fire down from heaven. According to 2 Kings 1 and 10, it happened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when he called the fire down from heaven, fire hit. When Daniel prayed for 21 days at the end of that fast in Daniel 9.21 at 3 p.m., the Bible lets us know that an angel, Gabriel, showed up and gave him instructions. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 15, the Holy Ghost fell at 9 a.m. Why 9 a.m.? 
because that was the time of prayer. I'm not telling you you have to pray at 9 a.m. or you have to pray at 3 p.m. But what I'm telling you is, is God moves at your appointed prayer times. God does things when we come together and set time aside for prayer. At 9 a.m., the Holy Ghost was poured out on the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible said that Peter and John healed the lame man at the hour of prayer. That was the set time to pray, and they were going to the temple to pray. In Acts chapter 10, verse 3, Cornelius received a vision from God at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And God told him to send for Peter to come, and the gospel opened up to the Gentiles. I'm not saying that you have to pray at a certain time of the day every day. I'm saying you need to set an appointed specific time aside every day for prayer. Daniel 6.10 says, And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knee, on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. If you will commit to do it and have a time of prayer established, miracles will begin to break out in your life. Prayer has to be a priority for us as the believer. The third thing that we need to do is to make a place of prayer. We need an appointed place of prayer. There has to be a place of prayer. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus took them to a solitary place to pray. Yes, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That means we need to stay in a mode, in a mind of prayer all the time. We know we can pray anywhere. We can pray at work. We can pray outside in the garden. We can pray on our way to taking the kids to school. We can pray anywhere that we need to pray. But there needs to be a sacred place of prayer, whether it's your bedroom or whether it's the kitchen table or the woods behind your house or your living room chair or even a literal closet. Wherever that place is, you need to find a specific place to pray. There needs to be a designated place of planned, scheduled prayer. Jesus often escaped to the mountains to pray. He prayed in the desert. He prayed in the garden. He escaped the crowds and the public to go to a solitary place of prayer, and he prayed in private. We need to establish a pattern of prayer. Sometimes we, we don't pray simply because we don't know how. It doesn't mean that you're bad if you don't know how. It just means that you simply don't know how. But it's time to learn. It's time that we can no longer be intimidated by the things that we don't know. We've got to get our feet wet and just dive in and do it. Years ago, I did a devotion on prayer. And the Lord taught me then a pattern of prayer that I followed up until this day. And it's very simple. You take the words of pray, P for praise, R for repent, A for ask, and Y for yourself. And that has been my pattern of prayer for a long time. But now my pattern of prayer is changing up a little. Not that that didn't work, but it's okay. I've learned something new. The Lord's Prayer teaches us a pattern of prayer as well. If you don't get a pattern of prayer, you're most likely not going to pray. The disciples said to Jesus, we don't know how to pray. We need you to teach us how to pray. And Jesus gave them a prayer outline that's divided into six categories. It covers every major category of life. And every sermon that you ever hear preached is going to be preached out of one of these categories. And the first one is praise. 
The Lord's Prayer starts off by saying, Our Father which art in heaven. We're giving God praise. We need to begin our prayer praising the Lord. He's the King of kings. You begin your prayer by, you don't start out by petitioning and asking the Lord for things. It's where we give him honor. It's where we reverence who he is. It's where we exalt him and we lavish him with our love and adoration. This is where it's a time of intimacy with the Lord. It's all right to be intimate with the Lord. And the closer we draw to him, the more intimate we can be with him. It's a time of giving thanks. And we begin to thank him for his goodness and his multitude of blessings. And then the next is the priority is established. The word says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto us according to the word. It's all about the kingdom and that's God and that God's will would be done in every circumstance. We pray for God's will to be done in the workplace. We pray for God's will to be done in the church. We pray for God's will to be done in our own lives. If you're praying for your children, it might sound something like this. And I'm going to use my son for an example because this is some of the things that I pray over him. I say, God, I pray that your will be done in Brad's life. Lord, you order his steps. Your word says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, let him look to you for his help and let him not escape the will of the Lord. Let him be a man of honor and let him be kingdom minded that he might please you in all that he does. We begin to pray the will of the Lord over our loved ones and it's thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. And then the Lord teaches us about provision. He says, give us this day our daily bread. This is where you pray about your provision. You give thanks to the Lord for the provision that he has made for us. God, I am the head. I am not the tail. I thank you that you supply all my needs according to your riches and in glory. I thank you that you go before me and you work all things to my good. I thank you for your favor. I thank you that the favor of God is upon me. I thank you that you have made provision for me over 2,000 years ago. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what my, me or my kids might face today, it's no surprise to you and you have already got the answer. You, the, plan, the answer is already on the way. You already have a plan. I thank you that my needs are met and that I have plenty. And then we go into the next, the next part of this prayer. It says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Then we thank the Lord for the pardon that he has given to us. This is where we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. We don't just repent upon salvation. Repentance should be a normal part of our prayer life because we are still of the flesh. And so... We um, forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive us for the lust of the flesh. Forgive us, Lord, for the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. And the list can go on and on. And ask the Lord to search my heart. Lord, you know me. You know me all too well. Search my heart. If there be anything hidden in me, Lord, reveal it to me that I might not sin against you. And it, it, we just need to learn to get real with Jesus because we can't hide anything from him. He already knows. He just wants us to bring it to him so that he can make those crooked places straight in our lives. So that he can cleanse our hearts of all unrighteousness so that we might be more like him. 
And then comes the hard part for some of us sometimes. It's found in the second part of that statement. It's time to forgive others. Lord, if I have aught against anyone that I'm not aware of, reveal it to me so that I can make it right. Um, Lord, I forgive them because he can't pardon us if we don't pardon them. And I learned a long time ago that forgiveness is a choice and it's a decision. We just have to decide if we're going to make that choice or not. Um, And then we begin to pray for them. That's how we overcome unforgiveness is by praying for our brother. That's what the word of the Lord tells us to do. And that's where we find victory. You might not feel like it. But if you have to pray this prayer every day, then that's what you do. And the more you choose to forgive and the more you pray for those who have offended you, the easier it gets. And the feeling will eventually come to where you actually know that there is no unforgiveness in your heart. And I have learned also um, to forgive someone means that you treat the offender as though there was never an offense. And that's how you can know if you're walking in forgiveness. You treat the offender as though the offense never happened. And then the word says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then it's all about the power. When the disciples were sleeping, Jesus said, watch and pray that you, ent- that you enter not into temptation. The reason that we can't overcome temptation sometimes is because of a lack of power that only comes through prayer. This is the part of the Lord's Prayer where we take authority over the devil. We take authority over demons. We put on the whole armor of God and you begin to speak in the name of Jesus to take a stand against the forces of hell that come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you bind them and you plead the blood of Jesus over them. And you ask God for the power of the Holy Spirit and to keep you from evil, to help you to resist temptation. We all are tempted at times, but we need to resist. We have to ask the Lord for help to resist resist temptation, to keep you away from the plots of the enemy, or to keep you away from anyone or anything that the enemy has sent your way or in your path to cause you harm or to cause you to stumble. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And now that you've covered those parts of the prayer of of those major categories of life, and then you end in the same way, we give God praise again. We begin with praise and we end with praise. The word says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and then you start giving God glory God I give you the glory I give you all the praise God you have redeemed me from death hell and the grave and all glory belongs to you Lord you have no rival you have no equal you hold all power and all dominion in your hands there's no God like Jehovah you just continue to exalt the Lord and and just lavish him with praise you can't praise him too much and then once you've gone through the categories of the Lord's prayer You've covered quite a bit of of ground. And lastly, there's one more thing. We need to pray out loud. We need to open our voices. And you've heard me say this many times in different devotions. Friends, we have got to stop allowing the enemy to intimidate us. You're not going to sound like me, and I am not going to sound like you, and we're not supposed to sound like each other. God has given us our own prayer language. He has given us things. There are things that he would lead me to pray for that he's not necessarily going to lead you to pray for. It doesn't matter what the person next to you sounds like. We've got to open our mouths and release the words. Luke 11 and 2 says, when you pray, this is what I want you to say. 
This is what I want you to speak out. Our Father who art in heaven, you've got to open your mouth and begin to speak it out. That means that we, we pray out loud. And when you begin to pray out loud, not only are you teaching your children how to pray, because I can promise you they're listening, but you're also you're hearing, you yourself are hearing what's being prayed, and you are building up your own faith. Because the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you open up your mouth and pray, you hear what you're praying and your faith is being built. And you continue. The Lord will continue to lead you in what to pray next. And sometimes it's okay. Here's something else that I have learned about prayer. It's all right to wait, not on the presence of God, but in the presence of God. Too many times we get down to pray, and just because we're not sure what to say next, we think, well, we got to get up. We got to learn to wait in the presence of God when we're praying. Leviticus 6 and 13 says, A fire shall always be burning on the altar, it shall never go out. We are living in the last days. And we have got to have the fire of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to be birthed through the power and the discipline of prayer. I understand it's a sacrifice. But I would encourage all of you, I would encourage each of you to start a prayer meeting in your home. I would encourage you to get with five to seven other men or other women and create and start a prayer meeting. I know it's a sacrifice, but it's necessary. It's urgent. It's urgent. If you choose to do that, I would encourage you to keep it small and don't let it turn into something that you didn't intend it to be. Don't let it turn into uh, a gossip session or a fellowship session. Keep focused, stay focused, and enter in to the courts of heaven through the power of prayer. Fellowship is good. It's good for the body, but we got to stay focused on genuine prayer. There's a time for fellowship, but there's a time for prayer. So I would ask you at this time, you know, I just really felt like the Lord just wants us to just spend some time with him and just enjoy the presence of the Lord and just love him and fellowship with the Lord. Yes, let's pray over the needs of the body. There are many. Let's pray over the needs of this church. Let's pray over the needs of this nation. So I would just invite you now to just go ahead and come forward and find yourself a place to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer also up here. So um, I would just ask that you... You come forth and uh, enter into prayer.